We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Well, 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 yes, indeed. It is a noble thing to do to keep living by the word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. That is a bunch of guys that are a team that want to give you an answer from a biblical perspective. My name is Daryl E.Z.D. Fulton, one of the teammates, and I'm going to introduce the other teammates and let you know how you can participate in the broadcast uh, because we are live momentarily. But let's open up this broadcast and dedicate it to the one and only Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to have, you know what, breath in our bodies. I don't ever take that for granted. And the breath in our bodies, Lord, you give us time. We're in this time-space continuum whereby we may be able to decide what we do at the time. We dedicate these couple of hours, Lord, to you in the question-and-answer format that we want to take and invite our listening audience to participate by calling in, emailing us, and those type of things that I'll mention momentarily. But for the privilege to learn more about you, Father God, we choose this format, and prayerfully you will be honored by it. We dedicate it to you. We understand by, by your power that we do this. Yeah, we could try to do it in our own strength, and you will not be glorified in that and that alone. So we just know that by us yielding to you, by yielding to the Spirit, that you empower us to do this work. And we thank you for it. And we thank you for it because of who Jesus is and his authority in his name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. If you want to participate in the broadcast, uh, you can call one of our teammates right now. Gabriel got this um, engineering stuff going on for us so we can have a seamless broadcast, but you can call Eric right now. He's going to screen the call, set you up if you want to call telephonically. That number is 888-995-KKLA. 888-995-KKLA, or numerically translated, 888-995-5552. Let me give it to you one more time. 888-995-5552. You can call in right now and get set up for the broadcast. Now, not only that, if you have access to the Internet, you listen to us by way of Facebook, uh, high out there in Facebook land, or uh, emailing us, that's uh, also Internet, or tweeting us, or even by Messenger. You can send us um, a question that by those uh, formats, Messenger, email, tweet, or even um, Facebook questions. Matter of fact, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and check in now. Let us know that you're out there. Listen to us by way of Facebook. Send a little emoji, check in, and also click that share button. Those are the ways that you can um, participate. Bible information, bro- I'm sorry, Bible info brokers. Bible info brokers on all those other formats. The only other way you can communicate with us tonight is by calling Eric right now at 888 Gabriel, thank you. Eric, thank you.
Thank you. Um, let me introduce the other teammates. Uh, Brian Allen, how you doing, B? Doing well, Daryl. Looking forward to uh, teaching we're going to get today. That's good stuff. We were talking about yeah. that last week. And also one of our other teammates here, we got Professor Craig Hawkins, who I will continue to affectionately call PCH. PCH, how you doing, bro? Well, good evening. Good evening to you, sir. Sound all stoic and everything. You try to sound like a professor. <laughs> anyway, hey, Brian, why don't you introduce what we're going to try to do today? Uh, we have a clip that we want to share with the listening yeah, audience and get be, some teaching done, so let's do that. Yeah, you know, we're going to talk. Uh, Craig's going to be teaching, uh, dealing with uh, things that are going on in the world today. Um, and basically, uh, he's going to give us some, uh, some good information. Uh, insofar as questions that we can share with uh, individuals and, you know, gender identity and other issues that are going on in the world today. You know, more than just a, well, you know, the Bible says X, Y, and Z, which the Bible does. But, you know, a lot of people just, so we don't care. I don't care. And how to to engage them. Yeah, but giving us uh, questions and ways to engage with these individuals to make them think mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and to counter their arguments. You know, the Bible says, I always be ready to give an answer. Okay. And this is one of the ways, even though it is for the hope that is in us, which is Jesus Christ, right, right. we can give them well reasoned arguments. And, and that's kind of what uh, I'm excited about. And what I do have, I have a clip uh, that I like to play mm-hmm. and it's called, it's uh it's called gender identity can a five foot nine white guy be a six foot five Chinese woman? Wait, and, hold on. So you, you uh, PCA is going to talk about some woke subjects to try to wake people up. But what's so interesting? This clip, you know, we're in two thousand. We're in twenty twenty two. Yes, we are. This clip is from two thousand sixteen. So about six years ago. Or so. Yeah, six yeah. years ago, this stuff is going on. Yeah, so probably longer than that. Yeah, but, longer hey. than that. But you know, and this is. Uh, uh, an interview, uh, the gentleman's interviewing some students from the uh, Washington State University, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing what their responses are. So, Would you advise people to get pencil and paper ready, maybe get their Bible ready to uh, kind of follow along with PCH? Oh, I say without question. I just you want know. you to set the classroom up right now, you know, get set your class class, together. Get your, get your pen and paper out, uh, write down notes, but at the same time, you might have questions. There you go. You know, you know, when when Craig teaches a class, his students have have questions. I've been in many of his classes and, you know, a lot of us have questions on, on, on the topic. So I think this is, again, uh, a, a topic where uh, they will be taught. They were they're going to learn some good stuff. But at the same time, uh, if you have questions, write them down so we can we can take care of that. Let's get into a clip. brother. So uh, without any further ado, Gabe, why don't we run this clip? There's been a lot of talk about identity lately, but how far does it go? And is it possible to be wrong? We went to the University of Washington to find out. Are you aware of the debate happening in Washington State around um, the ability to access bathrooms, locker rooms, spas based on gender identity and gender expression? I, I think people should be able to have access to the facility. I think uh, bathrooms could and potentially should be gender neutral because there doesn't need to be a classification for differences. I think people definitely should have the ability to go into whichever locker room they want. 
Uh, I feel like at least public universities should do their best to accommodate for those who do not have a specific uh, gender identity. You know, whether you identify as male or female and whether your sex at birth is matching to that, you should be able to utilize the resources. So if I told you that I was a woman, what would your response be? Good for you. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. I'll be like, what? <laughs> really? I don't have a problem with it. I'd ask you how you came to that conclusion. If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I would say, good for you. Like, yeah, be who you are. <laughs> I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor. I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion and why you came to that conclusion. Um, I would have a lot of questions just because on the outside I would assume that you're a white man. If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't believe that immediately. Uh, I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out of my way and tell you no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay, he wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then, <laughs> then so be it. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Uh, probably not, I guess. I mean, unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now. If that's where you feel, like, mentally you should be, then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that. I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people, I feel like that should be an okay thing. If I told you I'm six feet, five inches, what would you say? question. Why? <laughs> because you're not. <laughs> no, I don't think you're 6'5". If you truly believed you're 6'5", I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. <laughs> so you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No, but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. No, I mean, I wouldn't just go like, oh, you're wrong, you're like, that's wrong to believe in it, because, I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So, I can be a Chinese woman. You... <laughs> um, sure. But I can't be a six-foot-five Chinese woman. <laughs> yes. If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six-foot-five... Uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you're six foot five, or Chinese, or a woman. It shouldn't be hard to tell a five nine white guy that he's not a six foot five Chinese woman, but clearly it is. Why? What does that say about our culture? And what does that say about our ability to answer the questions that actually are difficult? All right, that was it. Okay, I like I like. Uh, well, never mind. I, I won't get into that. Let's let's get right into teaching. <laughs> well, Craig, I thought I'd uh, use that as a segue into your teaching. Uh, I think you've heard that one before. That that clip before, Craig. Oh sure. Yeah, and there's a few on there that you can. Uh, yeah, if you want to hear them yourself, you can go onto YouTube and uh, type in gender identity, and uh, there's a lot. Listen of away. Huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's one, do college kids know the difference between men and women? And uh, uh, do college students have hate, uh, 
do college students hate free speech? Let's ask them. So, but anyway, Craig, I'm gonna. I'm sorry, Craig. Before you get started, what is that show that we used to have with Art Linkletter, where the kids say the darndest things? Yes. That's your segue. Go right ahead. There you go. <laughs> these grown kids have said the craziest things. Well, let's talk about it. It's 2016. And these are, these, are, these are college yeah, students. Yeah, those kids. <laughs> Somebody's paying for that education. Well, sure. But then we, again, we have a Supreme Court justice who just got appointed who said she couldn't define what a woman was. Yeah. Oh, so, so, by the way, so take that now. So how would you enforce Title IX and Title VII, which people generally don't know about, but Title VII as well, which is to give women equal access uh, to sports, for example. Uh, so how could you do that if you can't even define uh, what, what a woman is? Uh, and so these are some of the issues. And I want to give some uh, – these are called counterexamples. I want to give some examples because here, here's my concern is, is not just uh, – I want to talk to younger people or give them uh, – to equip them, but but as well, um, to the older folks who, who who either their kids or grandkids or just don't know how to talk about this. Because here's the issue: people want to be tolerant, people want to be easygoing and accepting. That, that that's pretty much the, the majority of people are really open-minded. You can see these people bending over backwards not to offend somebody. But I'm going to show you, you, you cannot not offend people. And like the one guy says, well, it's not my place to judge. Okay, but what if you're a judge? What do you have to decide? What, what if I, let me just start off with an example. But, but, but let me say this is to help equip folks. Yes, we believe the Bible has clear guidelines on this. But, but as you already said, the average person is like, who cares what the Bible says? Or, you're a bigot. You're an obscurantist. You're mean. You're a hater. You're intolerant. You, you know, whatever term we want to use. I think of a friend of ours. One of their daughters was doing very well. I think she's like captain of the water polo team and very popular. And one of their the friends who was related to the people who played water polo apparently came out as transgender. And and somehow they noticed that she was not really celebrating this. That is our, our our friend's daughter, and she didn't say anything. She didn't even tell the gal she was wrong or have problems with it. She just wasn't as enthusiastic as everybody else. And then somebody said something, and next thing you know, she was ostracized. And it was so bad that she literally uh, quit that high school and went to a continuation high school and graduated early online. But she was so canceled, if you will, because she didn't celebrate it. And so now here we are. We used to hear we just want to, we want we want a place at the table. We just want people to be tolerant. And then now they then they want to be accepted. Now now they want to be celebrated. People, if they identify something, they want us to embrace it. In fact, they even want us to pay for it. So let's say someone's in the military and they decide that they're really um, not the gender, the cisgendered, the way the, the, the sex or gender they were born with. And so they want to change and then they want us to pay for it. So it's it's like, as I say, you can park yourself in a car, and uh, park yourself in a garage and think you're a car. Just don't ask me to call you a car. I mean, you know, I will defend people's right to, in one sense, to do and practice what they want. Uh, but 
they're not just content with that. They want to force it on us. But but let's get some examples here. Let's 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 look at look at the gals and look how hard women have, have worked for equality and to get equal rights. And and now I think of like Leah Thomas, who was ranked like 466 uh, collegiately as a swimmer, as a male. And then uh, said, in fact, she was she's female, and and then now she's competing against women in swimming, and she's just dominating. Hardly anybody can beat her. Now think of the women who the gals who spent their whole life training from a very young age, kind of like a figure skater or others, who've spent you know day after day training, 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 practicing, and and maybe wanted to be an Olympic athlete or had goals of being at least, you know, a major competitor at the collegiate level. And now all of a sudden doesn't even make the team or gets knocked out because of someone like uh, Leah Thomas. Is that fair? And I'm really surprised women are so willing to go along with this. Let me give another example. Let's, let's use some stronger examples. I, I mean, I, I personally, if it was my daughter or if I was a gal and it trained my whole life and now I'm being knocked out by a guy who has a, an gauge because whatever you want to say about testosterone blockers, still has more than I do, and dominates. What if I tell you guys, and they were talking about using the bathroom, of course there's people who abuse that and go into it uh, to, to try to uh, harass and otherwise uh, little girls, girls or women, but what if I told you guys, if the key is what I identify as, so the idea is if I identify, if I feel I'm something, whatever X is, then you need to acknowledge it and, and you need to accommodate me. So, guys, since you both played football, what if I come to you and you're coaching, you know, either Pop Warner or some level like that, and, and I, I weigh 250 and I still work out and, and, and I do, for my age, I do pretty well. Uh, could you imagine if I said I, I identify as a 10-year-old and I want to play tackle football against 10-year-olds? Hmm. Could you imagine that? What are you going to say? Well, no, you can't do that. You're bigoted. You're mean spirited. You're you're not kind. You're 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 racist. You're you're you know, uh, age phobic. I mean, I could all these terms I could use on you, and but 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 imagine someone my size playing against ten year olds. So hopefully, anybody with any sense would go, you can't do that. But I would say, why? Because I identify that. Or try telling the government that you're only 10 years old, or, t- or and therefore you don't have to pay taxes on your, or that you're 75 and you should get full security or whatever age you need to be. The government's not amused by such things, and they would fine you and or throw you in jail. So, so we really don't live this consistently. We can't live this consistently. Now, I can use these examples now. There's going to come a time when probably some of these won't work anymore uh, because people will go, well, what's the problem? But now suppose, let's suppose that, that the three of us, uh, we run, we're orthopedic surgeons. We, we run an office together to share costs and, and do consults and try to get the best prognosis for an individual. What if somebody comes into us and says, wow, I'm really having trouble with my legs. My legs are really bothering me. And we're like, wow, well, hey, you come to the right place. We're orthopedic. You know, orthopedics, we specialize in that and do surgery and otherwise. So we run a complete battery of tests, and we have good news, bad news. The bad news is we just spend a lot of their money. (laughs) But the good news is we say, hey, we bring them in for a consult. We've talked together, the three of us. 
among ourselves, and we say, well, there's nothing biologically, no, there's no nerve damage, we can't find any actual problem, there's no biological problem with your leg, so that's, we've got great news for you, but what if the person kind of sighs and hangs their head and finally says, well, well, actually, I knew that, but you don't understand. Uh, I identify as a paraplegic. Mm, yes. I believe I will never uh, be fully complete. I will never be content. I will never experience life like you guys get to unless I'm a uh, paraplegic. I need I need these limbs, my legs amputated, and, and I was hoping you guys would do it. Now, uh, hopefully now, I mean, people go, wait, 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 wait a minute. There, there's a problem here. You, you have perfectly good legs. And you're not having phantom pains or other any other physiological, biological problem, but psychologically you you identify as as a paraplegic, and and you believe you will not be whole unless your legs are removed, and you want us to do it. I'm hoping most people go. Well, wait a minute, there's a problem with that. Now I teach at a law school, and I push it up for my law students, and I said, what if we're going to pass a law? that you have to perform those surgeries. Like some hospitals, it's demanded in some states that doctors have to uh, uh, perform abortions. So even though you object and you subscribe to the Hippocratic Oath and to, to do no harm, and you believe removing perfectly good limbs is harming someone, no matter what they may say or think, but what if we say, no, you have to do this? And so this is where we are, and, and most people are going to go, well, there's something wrong with that. Or, but we could say bl- going blind or making someone's death or just removing a, a right arm or a left arm. Or there was a case of a guy just recently, had his, he, he froze his hands. He put them in dry ice until, until basically the, the, he, you know, he got some, uh, what's the term, uh, you know, basically they had to amputate. Because he identifies as an animal. What if somebody says they're a cat? And, and again, so there's speciesism. What if somebody says, I identify as a cat, and you are bigoted, you are a racist if you don't accept that? And what if they say, because I'm a cat, then I should have special prerogatives? And by that, I mean that I shouldn't have to pay taxes because tax, cats don't have to pay taxes. They're animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you start seeing the problems, and I'm trying to get practical. Actually, in some of these, most of these, they're real life. They are. They're also far real life situations. That, to show that even doesn't have to say the Bible says it's wrong. It does, and I think we should that we, we should have nothing to be ashamed of. But we need to be able to relate to people, and especially our younger folks who just are seen as haters, as you know, intolerant, as mean and are ostracized, are, are canceled, if you will. We need to show them that and give them examples like this and explain it to them as best they're able to understand that there's something wrong with this. And every, pretty much everybody says there's something wrong with this. And the only people who don't say that are people who are so far out there. Because we know all things equal, it's good to have healthy limbs, to have legs that are operate properly in that. That's, that's a good thing. And only somebody who's really uh, psychologically struggling, I'll put it that way, would say and think that it's better to not have those limbs, to have those legs amputated, just to have them amputated so they can feel whole. And, And here's another thing. Now, it used to be called gender reassignment surgery and all that. Now you can't hardly say that like you... You're not supposed to say woman. You're supposed to say birthing person, mm. right? Um, I mean, all this type of stuff going on. But 
But, you know, in the Netherlands, they put a moratorium on a lot of this stuff. Why? Because they, they were doing this, and, and they thought that, you know, and giving hormone blockers and, and testosterone, testosterone blockers and that, and they're realizing that the suicide rate and the depression is, is actually greater even for people that they've done these surgeries to, even if they've given medications to, to block normal development and puberty, or, or, and or they've actually removed uh, body parts. And 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 I believe we're, there's a coming tsunami tsunami coming of people who thought they would have these, and there are actually websites that talk about this. People who've gone through this and said there wasn't the answer. It didn't satisfy me. I had this done. Now it's irreversible, and I'm I'm more miserable than ever. I believe this this rampant radical uh, idea. You know, I mean, before the school had to call you to give permission to give your kids aspirin, but then they could prescribe birth control to your kids. And now we're seeing where there's places in schools where they're starting these LGBTQ clubs and otherwise, and then and and purposely telling the kids not to tell their parents. Yeah. I mean, so who's intolerant here? Who's not being healthy? And we're not trying to be mean, but what we're saying is just because somebody says they identify as something doesn't mean it's good or healthy for us to, I'll use the word, to feed their, their, their instability. Uh, I'm not helping someone. Let me use one more example, and you could do this all day long. Yes. What, what if you're dealing with a person who's anorexic and is literally not just starting but is... is you know, either is binging and purging or just literally is not eating or very little. And they say, uh, but I identify as an actually overweight person, and I, I want you to acknowledge that, and I want you to treat me as that. What if you're the doctor and they come in and asking you to prescribe some type of medication or otherwise to even cause them to lose more weight? People die from this. But I kid you from anorexia because of organ failure like your kidneys or your liver or otherwise because your body needs a minimal amount of nutrients, right? Um, so you're the doctor. So, and they're saying, oh, look, you're intolerant. You're racist. You're, you're, you're phobic. You, you need to get over this. You're like fat phobic or whatever, all these terms they use. And if people think I'm kidding, you can go online and look this stuff up. Go Google this stuff. You'll find it. And you'll find where they're trying to shame doctors, saying you're just trying to fat shame us. You're putting us down. When doctors say, look, being, let's say, morbidly obese, there are some people who are proud of being 100-plus pounds overweight. And then they're saying, you're just, you're just fat phobic. You're trying to fat shame me. And the doctor says, well, look, look, look at the charts. Look at the increased diabetes, type 2. Look at stroke. Look at the heart attacks. And then, oh, no, no, that's just, that's just white man's, white men's uh, you know, stuff trying to get over on us and to, to keep us in our place and put us down and all that. So we need to use examples like this and ask, is that really the loving thing to do? If I'm a doctor, if it's your sister, your brother, your son, your daughter, grandchild, are you really loving them if they're anorexic to say, oh, yeah, no, you're actually fine. You look awesome. In fact, yeah, you're a little heavy. I think you'd need to lose a little more weight. Knowing that literally people die from this. Is that loving? Is that our idea of acceptance and that's what's good for people? So see, all these examples I'm giving you in our real life cases is that showing you that there's a problem here. 
that there is, through what we call, we call natural law, there's these ideas that we all have of what's good and right and just and true. And, and yeah, there's some gray areas at times. It's funny to take the gray areas or the exceptions and make them the rule. It's secundum quid. It's a fallacy. You, you reverse it. There's always almost always exceptions to rules or guidelines, but you don't take the exceptions and say, therefore, there's no guidelines, right? So somebody's born a maphrodite. They have genitalia both male and female. That does happen. Okay, but we can talk about that and deal with that. But, but relatively speaking, that's incredibly rare. But now they're just saying, hey, anybody who feels this way, and, and think about, you know, you should accommodate it, but think of it this as well. You... We, all things equal, you're not tried as an adult unless you're 18. Now, there are exceptions based upon development and other factors. But, but on the whole, the legal principle is you're not a tried as an adult unless you're 18 or older. Why? Because the idea is, is they know that you're still growing and developing psychologically, mentally, emotionally, and you're not really thinking clearly often when you're younger. You're going to let a kid who's confused who at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, what have you, do some type of radical, something that using certain hormones or, or depriving them of them that will can affect them for life. Some of these, the, the, the changes are irreversible. Uh, this is crazy that we're, that, or that even there are teachers who are proactively, oh, well, you know, you, you, you're, you're kind of confused, aren't you? You're not really sure if you're a boy or a girl. You should come to our club. And, you know, you may well be, you know, transgender, what have you. It's, they're not even just talking to kids who think this. They're, 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 they're pushing this in our public, in many of our public schools. So, again, knowing this type of stuff, you can go online, check this stuff out, see that it's happening, and then give examples and say, look, I'm not trying to be mean, but I want to know. It says, let's say I am a 12-year-old, and I, I'm talking to one of my 12-year-old, 13-year-old friends, and I said, okay, I've got a brother who's anorexic, and I love him, love versus approval. I love him. I care for him, but he's anorexic. Should I be encouraging him? Is it the loving thing to do to say, yeah, you're actually a little bit overweight. You should probably lose a little more weight. Is that the loving thing to do, knowing it could well cost them their life? See how practical this is? This is this is practical. This is where people live. But, see, they want to use these examples where there's, like, no consequences, like, oh, ali, ali, oxen-free, everybody gets in, every, and no, there's no consequences, there's no downside to this. And that is just simply not true. Wow. Indeed, indeed. Uh, PCA, just um, the stuff that you said, people might be thinking out there that, you know, all that stuff you're speaking about is hyperbole, but... The arguments are there. Yeah. How are you going to argue against a person that wanted to do all the things you said, man? I mean, it's like you're talking about this spiral um, that gets out of control because all just all, just all the things you name. And as you were naming those things, I thought of 15 other things in different ways uh, that is going on. And how, how much do we allow it to go on in our society based upon Ooh. policy, law, what have you? And I'll, I'll be, yeah, go ahead, Brian. No, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, when it comes to uh, this viewpoint, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't precisely. Which you, is it? Exactly. You you can't uh, be you know ha- have one opinion uh, dealing with a certain issue, but then when it comes to something else, 
you know, now, now you have, uh, you, you come with a absolute morality, uh, type of, uh, attitude, you know, well, this is right when I'm, we're dealing with this, but with this other situation, it's a flat out, no, it's wrong. You can't have it both well, ways. Sure. Well, sure. And there's the, so there two more things here, at least there's the new absolute, which is be taller, doggone it. I'm going to force you to be taller. Yeah. I'm a cat. And you're yeah. going to call me one. Yeah. It, so the irony is they, they've talked about being tolerant and, and relativism, but the new absolutism says you will acknowledge me. You will accept me. You will use the pronouns that I give you to use. And if you don't, there's consequences. So what do you, well, I'm sorry, who's being intolerant? But I guarantee you, I can't imagine anybody. I guess there's always somebody out there. But could you imagine parents going, okay, Hawkins weighs 250, and he's he's going to play in the league up to 10 years old? You'd go, what? what the safety of your son's at stake. Are you kidding me? But, but try this one out. Here's another one. Try this one out. So classically, we have what's called statutory rape laws. You're not to have sexual relations if one of them is over, is an adult, 18 or over, and someone under 18, right? So now, could you imagine, well, if somebody identifies, so let's say we've got a bunch of guys who are in their 30s and 40s, but they identify as a, as a, as a 12-year-old. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I know I would. <laughs> They're 14-year-old. So now they can have sexual relations with girls who are 12, 14 years old. Exactly. Because the, I identify as a, as a t- t- I'm, I'm, I'm 10 years old. I'm even two years, four years younger than her. And we all know that, that why do we have these laws? Because, because it's unhealthy, because people who are older are more worldly-wise and, and can, can, when they're unscrupulous, can manipulate and take advantage of people and use them and, and, and deceive them. Oh, I love you, and this will be really good for us and all that and what have you. Yeah. There's a reason we have had laws like this, but now all these things are going to go out the window. They would ha- if you're consistent, Brian, as you were just saying, if you're consistent. So if you're consistent, then you have to say, well, yeah, okay, maybe I wouldn't prefer it, but I can't really say it's wrong for my daughter to have, for a guy who's in his 30s or 40s to be having a relationship with my 12-year-old. You may not like it personally, like I don't like garbanzo beans, but that's a mere preference. That's not like thou shalt have a law now against it. So if you're going to be consistent, then be con- – no, excuse me. If you're going to argue this stuff and believe it, then be consistent. Yeah, that's one of the ar- – yeah, I'm sorry, Greg. That's, mm-hmm. that's no, the argument ahead. I've been making from when I used to have to go to meetings with my kids in school, and I, I would challenge my kids. I said, if you're not going to bring it up, I'll bring it up. And so my kids had a tendency when we were together in these meetings to bring it up in, in regards to – I remember my youngest daughter, we were talking about the idea about statutory rape. We were talking about what is consensual sex, you know, so nobody's in the school 18 years old. But yet they're passing out condoms and thinking about things like that and sexual stuff in that regard. And my, my daughter asked a question that, you know, we we developed at home. And she said, well, where's the consistency in that if it's against the law for me to have sex as a young girl at, you know, 13 years old, why would you pass out something to me that would encourage me uh, to have sex like condoms and things like that? And it's against the law for me to do so. Where's the consistency? And that's the hue and cry I've been making since, you know, raising my kids up and dealing with the the school and school boards and things like that. And the problem is there is no consistency. We uh, talked about it in regards to someone getting, you know, um, 
vehicular uh, manslaughter, as it were. You get charged for vehicular manslaughter. Someone's pregnant, you know, a woman pregnant that we can't define as far as the Supreme Court justice just got in. Can't define a woman, but somebody is pregnant. What do they call it? A birthing person is pregnant. You have an accident. It's your fault. You were distracted or you were drinking and driving, so you get charged for double homicide. But yet we can abort we can abort babies, you know. Go well, ahead, the, the other thing, too, is, you know, it's, it's amazing. These people hold to these viewpoints until something happens to them or to their daughters or to their sons or whatever the case might be. Policymakers. Yeah, you have a policymaker whose granddaughter or daughter is molested by someone who's 35 years old and – uh, or or has sex with uh, someone who's uh, that uh, 13 years old, and that mom or that grandmother is now livid. She's upset, but like you know, using the example Craig said, well, this person identified as someone who was you know under 18 years old. Yeah, well, the one that Craig said that really touched me, Craig, hugely, is in regards to the paraplegic. And the person that, you know, we have this office together, you put me, you, and Brian in office together, and then someone come in for the consultation, and they want to have their leg amputated so they can play in the para, para, um, para, um, Paralympics, you know, for the um, people that are disabled. And I'm telling you, it's going to take something like that to happen, Craig, that this thing will really, really, you know, like I said, flip back to making some God sense. And um, sure. But go ahead, go ahead, PCH. No, and that's why we can use we can use Romans too. We're using uh, basically what's called natural law that we know certain things are right and certain things are wrong and certain things are unhealthy. I mean, can I use my watch if my life depended on it? Could I use it as a hammer? Well, yeah, but but all things equal, using a watch as a hammer, unless it's an incredibly bad watch, I mean, you're going to ruin it. You can do it, and if, if the circumstances are serious enough, you we could use your watch as a hammer. But all things equal, that's not too smart. But let's 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 go back here, okay? So that uh, uh, J- Jeffrey Epstein, right? Yeah. L- look at that. Well, what's the problem, folks? What if he identified as a four? What if he simply said, "I'm a 14 year old"? You could say no because he groomed and and the gal, uh, you know, they, they were grooming people. They took advantage of. Hey, he, he he could say he told them. He even paid them. He gave them money. And after all, he he's only he identifies as a as a 14, as a 12, as a 10 year old. What's the problem? See, most people, I mean, look at the hue and cry that came out about him, and and rightly so and others who were involved in this. But you've got to throw that all out if this is the case, because all he had to do was to say, I identify as a 12-year-old. And now what are you going to say? You may not like it. You may not him to take it, have relations with your daughter, but you can't seriously say it's wrong, because what goes along with this stuff is called identity politics or standpoint politics, something is true or right or good if it benefits my social, economic, sexual preference, uh, ethnicity, what have you, and and social constructivism. Reality is only merely a social construct. So I'm a, I say I'm a 12-year-old. Jeffrey Epstein says that. He wants to have relations with these gals. He's even be willing to pay them. Come on, folks, get over it. What a bunch of bigots you guys are. Yeah, that, radio audience, you're all a bunch of bigots having problems with this. What's your problem? Get over it. Quit being so intolerant. And attorneys and out most there. Of your vodka, 
Yeah, most of them are about to throw something at the radio. Right, that's right? what I'm about I to say. So. I, was just, I was just about to say that. So attorneys out there that just want to take it and argue from both sides, please don't argue the grandfather clause with someone. So if you committed a crime and you did Jeffrey Epstein, as it were, so you get away, you won't get away with all the ones you did. But but if you identify, you can go ahead back and doing what you were doing. So don't give me the grandfather clause, attorneys out there. We're trying to make a huge a huger point where what what area of life are we going to have to have things have something happen that we're going to have to do something serious about changing these policies well you know the next thing is why even have birth birth certificates why well we're going to get you know why, why have borders why you know exactly. what Craig? i tell you guys you, you, you don't you don't know it but it's on my little phone here but i'll show it to you after the show and my question was going to be right along this line but i was going to ask the question this way because it was dealing with abortion and it was dealing with the whole idea about this the Constitution, Craig, and I want you to just, if you don't mind, tie this into what you were saying, if it's if it's applicable, that the like the Constitution or the Bible, when it's silent, what do we go on constitutionally, and when the Bible is silent, what do we go on as human beings? I'm going to argue this, and Craig, you can correct me if I'm wrong from the from the Jewish prudence standpoint, that in the Constitution, there's nothing to deal with abortion. So why are we arguing it from a federal standpoint where, and I'm saying anything that's not constitutional, naturally migrates to the sovereign state, and each state being sovereign may have a different rule, like they do with income taxes in some or, you know, uh, abortion at whatever period of time in others. And that's why I'm saying the whole argument from the Supreme Court standpoint, it shouldn't even be an argument in the Supreme Court. And from a biblical standpoint, when the Bible was silent, does it get down to the conscience of man? I was going to bring that up today, Craig. I figured it's a nice, good enough time to bring it up than any other one since we're talking about this other stuff. And I'm, I'm asking, what say you? The people, but the problem is you have uh, uh, Conwell, Prowse, and other judges saying the Constitution means whatever we say it is. There are philosophies of law called legal realism and other forms that basically say black letter law that is the actual statutory criminal civil law has little to no relevance to an actual case. Judges can and do what they think is fair and equitable. Mm-hmm. Notice I said what they think. Yes, it indeed, indeed, I heard you. Maybe completely mm-hmm. contradict the law, the constitution of civil criminal statutory law. And so this idea that it's a living, breathing document, it's, a, it's like a wax nose. You can twist it any way you wow. want. And so, so that's that's where we are. The Constitution, uh, they don't they're not originalists. They don't believe that there's some basic meaning to what the con- what the Constitution means. That's merely a historical question. I'll give you an example here. Here's what's just like mind boggling to me: the hypocrisy is. So I watch these guys, especially these commentators who get these talking heads, get on these TV programs, but they're not just there. They're actually in the courtroom and otherwise. And they'll basically be little starry decisis. Starry decisis, Latin literally, let it stand. It, it stands. It's the idea that there is a precedent. So courts have ruled in the past, and we are acknowledging that, unless you have incredibly good reasons otherwise, the precedents will stand. And this is how we decide things. So, so most liberals, politically, socially, and otherwise, they have no patience for stare decisis. And yet, when, for example, like if indeed the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, they're going, you can't do this. This is this is set law, this stare decisis. And so it's like, wait a minute, you're constantly bad-mouthing and dissing stare decisis. And now when it's not going your way, you want to appeal to it? 
it's that's so hypocritical. They're, it's so often not a principled approach. It really is. If it benefits me and mine, then it's good. And if it doesn't, then it's bad. Yeah. And they can switch back and forth. It doesn't matter, you know, what the principle or issue is. But 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 I one of my jobs is to disabuse my law students because uh, they I teach jurisprudence, philosophy of law, and they think, well, all I've got to know is what's called black letter law. If I know the black letter law, yeah. I know the rules, I know the exceptions, I've got us down pat. I'm like, you're going to get your head handed to you. You're going to go in a courtroom, and the judge is going to totally do whatever they want to do, basically judicial discretion, and you're going to go, what happened? And I'm going to like, you should have paid more attention to jurisprudence. I told you that there's different philosophies, and they'll say, look, you don't like it, appeal if you can. It's judicial discretion. Um, so, I mean, there, there are these philosophies of law. So if one is what's called the law and economics, holds that view, there it's not so much what's just or what's just or right to them. It's what's called the wealth maximization principle. Whichever holding, that is the ruling of a court, will at least uh, stabilize or maximize wealth, that's, what's, that's how, they're, that's how they'll, 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 they'll give the decision. So. Yeah. I mean, famous in this was Richard Posner, who was one of the key persons in, in this type of teaching, um, who sat on a you know, federal bench, appellate court. But here's my point. So the, there's what's called an efficient breach. So even though I've got a contract with you, a binding legal document, and, you know, duly constituted and always appropriate, but if if... If by violating the contract, I preserve, at least minimize my loss, and my and that is greater than yours, um, or at least it maximizes wealth, even if it's at your expense, then I can breach the contract, and the court can and should decide in my favor. And and Posner and others have done just that. So if your judge holds to law and economics as their philosophy of law, or to legal realism, or the other views, critical race theory. Uh, and so on and so forth, you're, you're in for a rude awakening. <laughs> yes, you are, Craig. I've seen that when I was bailing in court and also I've seen it when I went to court where I was affected by judicial discretion on a positive side. And so the other person lost because of judicial discretion, just like you described, and also a, a situation whereby if you have a situation where, like I said, just keep it simple, a traffic violation, and then um, the light stayed, you know, red for like an inordinate amount of period of time. So, no, you're guilty. Uh, but judicial discretion, you don't pay any to mitigate the fine. So a lot of times in that penalty phase, that's when the mitigation happens, and that's when that discretion is offered to the judge to do things. And this, the whole thing is interesting, but like I said, we're going to have a big problem with this situation in regards to the teaching that we just did about this woke society that needs to be woke up. Well, it's, and it's all this stuff, but my, my concern, again, is that we are not equipping our young people. We're not giving them... Uh, examples and concrete, practical examples, again, age-appropriate that, uh, well, some of the stuff is just positively insensitive, but they're getting it crammed down their throats anyway. But, I mean, how to how to understand these and go, so would, am I really helping a person who's anorexic and is in danger of dying? And I, I, I should, is it loving that I should go, well, yeah, you're right, you're actually overweight, you need to lose a little more weight. Would I really be loving if if I'm a surgeon and I'm going to amputate perfect, perfect, perfectly healthy limbs, 
And then what happens if the person, I'm going to use the term, sorry, come to their senses later on and now they regret it? It's not going back. You can give them uh, prosthetics, but, I mean, come on, it's not the same. And, And guess what, Craig? That person will sue the doctor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you didn't do it right. I wanted to run the 100, and you got me set for a marathon. Anyway, um, guys, listen, Craig, great job, man. Appreciate that. I, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you took no, copious notes. I hope you have questions in regards to this. I'm going to try to get this up really fast. Yeah, do that. Um, say it again, Brian. Really fast. Get okay. it up on the website. All right, good. That would be great. So you'll be able to re-listen to it So um, on the archive shows. So listen, if you want to join in, Eric, I see you. Christine, I'm going to get to you. And Diana, you're going to be first up. But if you want to call in with your question, uh, you can stay on the, the subject we talked about or any question that you may have in regards to um, what does the Bible say about your question. Well, let's get into that. 888-995-5552 is the number. 888 5552, everything else is Bible Info Brokers, Bible Info Brokers, Facebook, email, tweet, or messengers, those questions. Uh, let's go to um, the city of Glendale and talk to Diana, Queen Diana. Hey. How are you? It's Princess Diana. Princess, why well, say Queen? See, I gave you elevation. Brian, I want to bring you back down. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> um, well, you know, I wanted to say that I, I went and heard Craig today at North Point, and and you survived, and you survived. Absolutely <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Craig, you yeah, got enough. How much, Craig? How much did you pay her? How much, Craig? She even brings food. Oh, my goodness. That, there you go. I knew something. I knew there was some kind of quid pro quo on that. <laughs> the His Channel program I've been listening to, and it's just, it's all fantastic. It's it's. It's totally worth um, worth the time investment. But my question tonight is on First John chapter five, verse sixteen, and I'll read it. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. And then here's the part I have the question with. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for it. What does that mean? PCH, what say you? Well, sure, Diana. Yeah, I mean, there's some differing views on this, but I, I will share my perspective on this, which is probably the most common one. Not that that makes it true, but and that is. I mean, just to back for a moment, according to Romans 5 and other passages, all sin leads to death. All sin leads to death. So let me say that. So, but we have to talk about what we mean by death. And according to the Bible, there's two types of death. Now, of course, there's physical death. We're, we're all aware of that. And then should the Lord tarry, we're all going to experience that. We're all going to die physically. But there is something worse than physical death, and that is, well, there is spiritual death. And that is being dead to the things of God, to uh, being oblivious, obtuse, uh, like just like someone who literally was in a mortuary. And the example I used earlier today about someone saying, "Come on, let's go play tennis. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy you lunch. I've already rented. I mean, excuse me, we're gonna go golfing. I've already rented." Uh, well, I, I, we've got, uh, I'll pay the green fees, I'll, I'll rent hey, hey, hey. the, the cart. <laughs> uh, I'm talking Daryl's language. Yes, Lord, you, broke, uh, you got me up. <laughs> and, 
and I'll even take you to brunch, lunch, you know, and I'm, but it's like, you're trying to talk to this person, but, but they're dead. So indeed the second one, uh, is, would be of course, spiritual death, but there's an ultimate death, if you will. Uh, we can call it either the third or at least the, the ultimate second death. And that is eternal separation from God, eternal separation from God. So sin left unchecked always leads all things equal. It leads to physical death. It, 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 it has already resulted in spiritual death, and it ultimately leads to Revelation 20, the ultimate death, the second death, if you will, in a deeper sense, is eternal separation from God. So now we go back to 1 John 5, and it says there's a sin that doesn't lead to death. Well, what's that talking about? Because I'm going to argue it can't be it doesn't lead to spiritual death, both here and now and for eternity if we should die in that state. I would argue it's talking about physical death. So it appears to be that there are cases where, uh, and this to me would be the case, and then it would be now obvious, is if the person's dead, uh, there's nothing for me to pray about. God's already taken their life or allowed their life to be taken. Look at Acts uh, 4, 5, Ananias and Sapphira, right? Uh, God literally, you could say, well, they're not believers. We can debate that. But what I do know is God took their life. And and there seems to be other people where God directly e- intervened. Um, there, Eli, the, the one of the high priests in the Old Testament, um, there was you know beginning factors, but basically he dies. King Saul, it says God took his life because of his sins. First Chronicles ten thirteen. So my understanding of that passage in First John five is that the sin it's not unto death is simply saying that the person is not they didn't literally die they are still alive physically, and that we ought to intercede for them we ought to pray for them for their repentance, um, and that's how I would understand that passage. Could be otherwise, then we got some trouble because it says again in Romans five and elsewhere that all sin leads to death for the wages of sin is death right but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, that's Romans 6, 23. So, but, but we know that that's the natural consequences. That's what happens from sin. So it, would make no, so it wouldn't make any sense to be saying, well, it's not talking about spiritual death. It has to, because spiritual death always is a result of sin. Sin separates us from God and from one another. Indeed. Um, I, I just have one question, though. It's, it says that you shouldn't pray for them or pray for that, well, how would you know? Because they're dead. Yeah, that's the key. Oh, you're talking about physical death? Yep. I'm talking about physical death. So if, if a person's dead, uh, there's no sense in me paying, uh, praying for their repentance. They're gone. Um, so, so in one sense, there's a definitive oh. line. If you want to talk red line something or a bright line, there it is. The person is literally in the mortuary. Uh, no sense praying about their repentance. They've already gone to meet the Maker. Oh, okay. Um, just one other thing. In verse seventeen, it it says, "All righteousness is sin. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death." Right. But that's what I've been saying. So, and in fact, perhaps in most instances, God doesn't take someone's life, right? Um, but for the sin, instantly, so they're still alive. So while they're alive physically, I'm going to argue we can and should pray for them for their repentance. I'll give you an example. This is really an extreme example, but this is actually true. Now, 
this is a, a friend of mine, and he knew this guy really, really well. He believes he was a believer, because you can always debate this, that they're not a believer. But my friend really believes this guy's a believer. But this guy had come out of a really criminal background and had become a Christian and was walking with the Lord, and then he fell back into sin. And he was actually robbing either a bank or someone's house, and he got shot to, and, and di- to death and died. And as my friend said, uh, there's no, no sense praying for him. He's dead. Uh, he, you know, he's yeah. gone to meet the maker. So we, we have to distinguish physical death. And I'm arguing that sin not unto death, or to, to death, is talking about physical. And the reason I'm doing that again is because all sin leads to spiritual death. There's never any time. There's no such thing as sinning that it doesn't lead to spiritual death. It always does. If, if not repented of, if not, you know, uh, uh, atoned for, paid in full by the by the the work of Christ, the personal work of Christ, all sin leads to death. So it doesn't make any sense to say there's a sin not unto death. Uh, it, it, spiritually, it only could be physically. Yes, indeed, there's many times, most times, people don't die, you know, instantly, uh, but sometimes they do because of their sins. Thank you so much. Craig, I appreciate your um, your wisdom on that, and um, and I really enjoyed this this whole lecture this hour. So um, I'll say goodbye, and I'll keep listening. Thank you, Princess. Well, Thank you. Well, Take care now. Ladies and gentlemen, you can join in the call just like Princess Diana did at triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Call Eric right now, triple eight nine nine five 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 two. We'll get you a call on the line. We're coming into a top of our break. So if you also want to send in questions by way of Facebook, email, tweet, or messenger, <clears throat> excuse me, do so by Bible Info Brokers. All formats are Bible Info Brokers. And you can simply write your question in, especially if you're on Facebook. And you see us there, and we are in studio. Please, please, please click that little right arrow and share. Share that you're listening to us live. So that way people can join in now if they want to join in on the second half of the broadcast. Or for the archive shows, they already have it set up. So you have shared with all your friends. You have shared the ministry of Bible Information Brokers. And you also share with those people they can learn some things. Especially the earlier teachings that we did on this whole woke society and situation. I'm going to go back and listen to that myself again because that was some excellent stuff, Craig. Really appreciate that. So ladies and gentlemen, 888-995-5552 is the number. 888-995-5552 or Bible Info Brokers for email, tweet, messenger us on our .com website. Uh, please, while you're doing it, sending us an email, check out the resources that we have on our website. Now, Hey, you hear the music in the background. That means we are going to take a break. It's coming up to a hard break. So what I want to do is right now let you know that you're listening to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of Bible Information Brokers. And if you're so inclined, please, please, please take advantage of the break. Call in right now. Let people know that you have been listening to this broadcast. Share it on Facebook. And we'll be back after these messages. I'm going to get out a little early so that we can come back a little early to get more of your questions asked and answered. God bless you. 